salvation, you ought to let the Lord know it. Amen. If you're thankful you can't go to hell, you ought to thank God and give Him glory. Amen. Yes, amen, amen. Be still. Be still. And know that I'm God. I still ain't got over that. Be still and know that I am God. And then, then he says this, I will be exalted. I will. Now, I know the, the liberals are having their time right now. I know the atheists are having their time right now. I know the unbelievers are having their time right now. And, 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 and they really think they've got it all together. But according to my Bible, the Bible says one day, every knee shall bow. Every knee, every atheist, every communist, every liberal, every unbeliever, every God-hater. Somebody say amen. Hey, and one day, the devil's going to bow. You know your enemy, the one that's hounding you all the time, the one that's chasing you all the time, the one that's trying to destroy you all the time, one day he's going to bow down. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Let's just praise him one more time. Come on, give him praise. Yes, amen. There's an old song. There's an old song that used to be sung, I'm on the winning side. And we are. Hey, it, it might look like they've got us way back, but we're winning. We're on the winning side. Amen. Hey, it is my privilege and an honor. It is a true honor to be able to introduce to you Dr. David Wood. Many of you already know him. He has been here before, and he is a friend of this ministry and this church. He has done an incredible job to help us get to where we're going. Uh, sometimes, sometimes it takes one person to have a vision and another person to help that person find that vision and fulfill that vision. Amen? Well, that's what Brother Wood has done in our life and in here in our church. He is an evangelist, a missionary. Uh, he is the, the, uh, the, the inventor. I, that's the only word that come to my head. Help me. The originator of the Witness Project that is all over the world spreading the gospel, sharing the gospel, not only giving the gospel, but teaching people how to give the gospel. Give a man a fish. Think about it. If you just win somebody to Christ, that's one thing. You change his destiny. But if you teach him how to win people to Christ, you change the, the, you change the whole community's destiny. Are y'all with me? And so I want y'all to do me a favor. He, he has been a friend of us and a friend of our church. has been a tremendous blessing. And I want y'all to return the favor and let Brother David Wood know how glad you are that he is here with us at Temple Baptist Church this morning. Come on, doctor. Well, I am delighted to be here today. You know, there are sometimes in college of certain events, and uh, this is one of them in my life. It's just like, like God goes from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. And now, this morning, just a little summit, a little higher than a mountaintop. So I'm glad to be at Temple. What a joy it is to be back here and be part of this exciting... It's just This is an explosion of the blessing of God, that God is doing something unique in this place. How many of you agree with that? Amen? It's just unbelievable. Well, Brother Malcolm, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. And we're just delighted in the good things God is doing for us. Now, I'm going to let you be, not be seated right now, but in a moment, 
But I want you to stand up for a moment or two. We're going to do a couple of things as we begin this part of the service together. Turn in your Bibles with me, please, if you would, to the book of Ephesians. And uh, if you have your Bible with you, if you have an electronic Bible, that's okay. Just so you get to Ephesians. And I want you to look at chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Let me say another word, if I can, about this church. It seems to me, I was in Richmond, Virginia, preaching uh, about four weeks ago in a God and Country rally at the Civic Auditorium, about seven or 8,000 people there, and we had a lot of folks saved. And who do I bump into when I talk about the 50 preachers that are sponsoring that? Who do I bump into but a couple preachers that are asking me, do you know what's going on at Temple Baptist Church? And I said, no, tell me. And they began to say, well, they're having people saved, and they, it's just growing. Wonder what's happening. I said, you need to check it out. Amen. So I just want to tell you that was in Richmond. I was in San Diego about two weeks before then preaching, and a guy came away his end, and he looked at me. He said, I've been looking for what God's going to do. I want my ministry to expand, some things to happen. And he brings up, of all places, right, you know, a little bit north of Birmingham, Coleman, Alabama. He said, you ever heard of that city? I said, well, I've been there a couple of times. I said, they have a Starbucks there, believe it or not. <laughs> he said, must be an important city then. I said, the most important thing is a church there. He says, what I'm telling you about, and he mentions Temple Baptist Church. Ladies and gentlemen, what God is doing right here at this place is not just for this place. Thank God for your families. Thank God for all he's doing. But I want to tell you, you are having an impact not only here, but upon Alabama, upon the United States of America, and upon the world. Amen. And that's what it's really all about when you get to the Bible and begin to understand what God's doing. Now, I want to read a couple of verses. If you have the place in Ephesians chapter 3, say amen. All right, look at verse 20, and then look at verse 21. I'm going to read just two verses. Now, well, that's a great word, isn't it? Now, unto him that is, next word, say it aloud with me, able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory can i say in temple baptist church because the church and i recognize there are a lot of great churches but right now we're talking about what god's doing here in the church in this church so that's what you've been doing. Verse 21, now unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Now, how many of you are members of Temple Baptist Church? Hold your hand up good and high and lift it up. Hold it up for just a second and look around a little bit. And God bless you. And I know there are visitors that are here, but I want to talk to the members. But don't let your hand down. Hold up just a minute more. I'm a little nearsighted and farsighted. I'm trying to see everything. All right, thank you. You can let your hand down. Now I'm going to ask you to bow your head in prayer. And I want to ask every one of you who lifted your hand, if you would dream for just a minute. Heads about and eyes to close. Would you just dream for a minute? Two years from now, a year from now, two years from now, what would you like your church to be like? Dream for just a minute. Just dream. What would you like for your church to be like? Would you like it to double? Would you like to be, just dream, whatever God lays upon your heart. 
Would you like to see the youth ministry three or four times its size reaching, impacting young people who so desperately need Christ? What about the impact of the children's ministry? What about all that you're doing? Dream for a minute. What about your family? Men, what about your family? Ladies, what about your family? What about your children? Dream for just a moment about the impact of this church. Would you like to see families that are caught up in sin come to Christ and you be a part of it? Just dream for a minute. I don't know. God lays different things on different people's hearts. What about your business? What about your marriage? Just dream for a minute. God, it would be so wonderful if this would happen. Now I, wanna, I want you to ask God for it. Ask God for what you've dreamed about. Just say, God, you don't have to have a fancy prayer. God's not into that. Just ask God for what you want. Ask God for what you just dreamed about. If you've dreamed about, I'd like to win my first soul to Christ, God say, just say, God, I'm going to ask you for that. By faith, believing, I'm going to ask you, God, I'd like to see us be able to move the church forward to where we could have twice the impact we've ever had. Ask God for it. Quietness of your own heart, just ask God for it. Now, Father, I ask you this morning that in the quietness of this moment when we're obeying the Scripture, God, we're dreaming and we're asking you ask us to do it, and we're doing it. And God, I ask you that the Holy Spirit will fall in power upon every man, every lady, every teenager, every young man, every young lady in this room. That God, this would not just be a beginning of miracle celebration service. For God, it would be a time when our lives are impacted by the Holy Spirit. That we can leave here today, God, based and grounded in the Scripture. For that one who may be here today who's not saved. God, who's never experienced the wonderful, exciting, thrilling experience of being part of the family of God, knowing that heaven's their home, may today be the hour of salvation. Then, Lord, I pray that somehow in the next few moments, that, God, you would be honored, God, abundantly in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Be seated, if you would, please. What do you have in Ephesians chapter 3? And I want to ask you to just kind of go back with me for a little bit. What you find in Ephesians chapter 3 is the heart of a pastor for his people. The heart of a man who is a leader for his people. You find the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus. And the first word I see back in verse 13, the first desire he has is that the people do not faint. Every one of us in this room have fainted at one time or another. We've tried something for God and we've quit or we've fainted. Paul said, the first thing I want you to know, I don't want you to faint. I don't want you to try something and not get it done. I don't want you to faint. Jump down a verse, verse 14. For this cause, those two words, this cause, is the cause of not fainting. For this cause, because I do not want you to faint, there are several things that he mentioned. Verse 16, that he would grant you. He said, I want God to do something for you. I want God to build you up in the faith. You can read all about this later on when you study it. But I want, you to, I want God to grant some things to you based on the goodness of God, the mercy of God, and the grace of God. Then jump down to verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, that's a 24-hour thing. That means from the time you get out of the bed to the time you go to bed at night that people can see Jesus in you. 
And ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to see an impact upon this nation, we've got to have some Christians who are not ashamed for other people to see Jesus in us. That's one of the first things that's got to happen. And that's what Paul is talking about. Then jump down. There's some things, verse 18, that I need to comprehend. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been preaching a long time. Let me tell you where I am. I think I'm just at the beginning. <laughs> I believe by that that God's got a lot of things yet that I don't know much about. And I think all of us this morning need to recognize that we are on the go button. We've got our foot on the first plank that when the gun goes off, we're ready to run. Hey, God has just started with what God wants to do with you. God has just started with what God wants to do with your children. God has just started with what he wants to do with your marriage. God has just started with what he wants to do with this church. But we as God's people have got to comprehend some things. We've got to learn some things. The only way to do it is sit in the presence of God and let God teach us. Then if you look down at verse 19, he says something else, to know the love of Christ. I've got a preacher friend that I love to death, and he's got a little phrase he used I like. He said, I've learned to be comfortable in my skin. I like that. Don't you like that? I've learned to be comfortable in my skin. The praise of other people might be all right. He said being acceptable to other people may be all right. But he said the first thing, look at it very carefully in verse 19, to know the love of Christ, to know, listen to me, that you are loved of Jesus Christ, you are part of the family of God, you're acceptable in Jesus Christ, and everything is okay because you're part of the family of God. That's a wonderful thing for God's people. Then all of a sudden, Paul quickly moves down to where we are this morning, now. On this Sunday morning, now. And that's what that word, it's not just a worship word. It's not just a let me have your attention word, but it is a gathering word that says, everybody, give me your attention. He said, now, look at it very carefully, unto him that is able to do, and I want you to say those four words aloud with me. Are you ready? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Would you say them one more time? exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Now, I wonder if we believe that. Do we have a God that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all? Why, if he created the mountains, he ought to be able to do that. If he created this world, hung it in space, he ought to be able to do that. If he created man as a perfect man, sinless man, he ought to be able to do that. And let me say something else. If that man sinned against him and he loved that man enough to send his son to die on the cross and pay the penalty for our sin and let him be whipped and hung on a cross and put him in a grave and resurrected him out of the grave so when you and I could come back to him, have our sins forgiven and go to heaven forever, I want to tell you, we've got a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all. Above all what? Look at the rest of that. Above what? All that we, help me, ask or what? That's what you did a minute ago. You begin to think. You begin to dream. Then God said, I want you to ask and think. I want you to dream. I want you to ask for it. Not according to my power, but according to his power that worketh in us. Now, there's a great principle that you'll find right here. And that great principle is God wants to bless us more than we can ever think about. God wants to bless us. God wants to do more for us. And I'm not just talking about here in the church. I'm talking about for your family. I'm talking about for my grandchildren. How many of you have grandchildren? <laughs> That's a blessing. And I told my wife 
this morning on the phone earlier we were talking. I said, man, if I had to do it over, I'd have my grandkids before I'd have my kids, I think. I'm not really sure. But grandchildren are a blessing. I talked to four of my 11 yesterday while I was traveling. I try to use that time for that. And thank God, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all, not just in one realm, but in your total life. God wants to bless your business. God wants to bless your grandchildren. God wants to bless your children. God wants to bless your marriage. God wants to bless your service to him. And I, you and I understand God focuses things in the local church because the local church is not an invention of the state of Alabama, nor the state of Georgia, nor the United States of America, nor the will of man, nor of committees. But ladies and gentlemen, God has placed the local church here. It is what God has put here. The only agent for change that we have in this world is not human government. It is not a committee. It is a church that's on fire for Jesus Christ. And so God's placed the church here, and God wants his people to dream. And God wants his people to ask him for something. And when we begin to dream and ask, all of a sudden we find out how big our God really is. I think sometime I limit God by not dreaming big enough. In fact, I don't think sometime I really do. I think all of us limit God by not dreaming big enough. Could I get a witness for that? <laughs> Amen. We don't dream big enough. We don't think big enough. We don't ask big enough. Now, there's a great principle, and that principle is stated in one verse, and it's a verse that's intrigued me ever since I've been a Christian ever since I began to preach the Bible, when I pastored and had the privilege of doing so before I went into evangelism. And that principle is in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. You know that verse. Help me with it. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Now, wait a minute. Less than what you give or more? More. But that's hard for me to believe. Now, wait a minute. You mean God? See, there's a principle there that is a very great principle and that's reciprocity. That's a word I don't like to use. That's one of those 50-cent words. I don't really like a whole lot about them. Number one, I have a tough time pronouncing them. How many of you got words like that in your vocabulary? But yet I begin to study that word. Reciprocity doesn't mean but one thing. It means it's a sequence of you doing something and getting a response from someone or something else. And that's what God's talking about. God said, I want to do exceedingly abundantly above all <laughs> But first of all, I want you to do something. What is that? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Brother Malcolm talked a minute ago about the tithe. The tithe, but then God teaches the offering above the tithe. Amen? And we begin to grow. How many of you remember the first time beside me? How many of you remember the first time you over-tithed? Anybody remember that? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Did God have to beat you up like he did me to get me to tithe? Did God have to do that? God had to do that for me. I was in Bible college, and everybody knows you in Bible college. God doesn't expect you to tithe, does he? Well, does he? Well, you know, and so my wife, when are you going to start tithing? I said, leave me alone. Amen. So I was working at a grocery store, working at another job, both of us in Bible college. And I was making, I think, about 30 some dollars a week. And here, the, my wife wanted me to give $3 and something to the church. Can you imagine that? I didn't have about 30 some dollars. She wanted me to give $3 of it to the preacher. And so I was going to, in fact, I remember the first time I tithed, you know, I took my checkbook out, New Testament Baptist Church. I was sitting there, and I went, New Testament Baptist Church, $3.12. And I tore it off, and the plate come on. I said, there, that's cheerful giving, amen. <laughs> and I burned a tithe. And you know, God blessed me. 
And when God began to bless me, I said, wow, this tithe thing is great. Then I said, offering? What God wants to do over and above the tithe? <laughs> and I began to think about that and look at it, and I, I gave an offering. My wife said, you don't have to push it too far. <laughs> you know, giving's been a wonderful thing. And then my wife came to me <laughs> a while back. We were doing this about, about four or five years ago. We was in a meeting, and, and we were asked to make a commitment above our tithe and offering in order to get something done for God. And God touched my heart, and my wife leans over, and she said, I think you ought to pray about it and let me pray about it, and both of us ought to make a commitment. And I was thinking, well, wait a minute now. Let's don't take this too far. Isn't it funny you can never take God too far? How many of you have ever out given? That's a silly question. I ought not to ask it, but maybe you ought to think it. How many of us have ever done more for God than he's done for us? Woo. Or how many of us have ever given God more? See, that whole principle that's wrapped up here in this passage, it has a seed form in the Old Testament. That seed form in the Old Testament is when God came to Moses, and he said, Moses, I want you to build me a house. I want you to build me a sanctuary. You'll find that back in the book of Exodus. You'll find it also in Genesis, where the Bible talks about this, Exodus 25, and then you'll have to read all the way about 11 chapters, get to chapter 36. And in those 11 chapters, what God talks about in Exodus, is he came to Moses and said, Moses, I want you to do something that's never been done before in the history of mankind. Get the nation of Israel together and take an offering. Now, how would you like to be the first person on earth that ever stood before a congregation and said, reach in your wallets, I'm going to take an offering. Or what? I'm going to take an offering. Do you think that's bad? They were all Jewish. No reflection upon the Jewish nation, wonderful, wonderful people. But I want to tell you what, you better have your act together. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Moses said, now, this is what God told me to tell you. <clears throat> I want you to give. You know, God began to move upon the people. I bet you Moses thought this. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But I bet you Moses thought, man, it ain't going to do no good. God told me to do it, but I'm going to mention it. Probably we won't be able to put the foundation in the building, but, you know, maybe it'll work. So he got up before the people because God told him to do it and said, God wants to take an offering, and we're going to collect it this way. And he laid out how he's going to collect it. Then you get, I'm going to fast forward now, 11 chapters, we're over into 11 chapters later. And he called the congregation together and said, you know, get the people together and tell them don't bring any more money. Any of you ever had a Baptist preacher to do that? Get the people together and tell them don't bring any more money. We've already got more than enough money to build the entire building God wants built. And somebody ought to say hallelujah. That's the way God works. So there's the seed for them. But I want to tell you a couple of things happened that you and I need to understand. Number one is this. Listen, think about this for just a minute because you that are members of Temple Baptist Church and you that are visiting this morning, there's a great principle that's backing that that we need to see. The need that you have here, sometimes we look down and say, it's the preacher that's created it or it's the staff that's created it. No, the need is God caused. Moses didn't cause the need to exist. It's God that said, tell the people to give. It's God that said, why did he do that? Because the building was needed to have a relationship to God to touch the community for Jesus Christ. And so he said, Moses, in order to do that, here's what I want you to do. It's God that caused it. Now, I'm going to stand here and tell you, I know your preacher. I know his heart a little bit. We haven't fellowshiped nowhere near as much as I would like to and getting to know each other. But I'm just telling you a little bit about human flesh. There's a time that I have laid down. 
I would not doubt there's a time that he has not laid down and said, God, is all of this really going to happen? Because the devil beats up on leadership. The devil beats up on leadership. And you need to pray because the vision that God's given your pastor is a tremendous vision. And the vision the, pa- the staff has got is a tremendous vision. But ladies and gentlemen, the devil does everything he can to push that down. Is God able? That's what the devil asks. Can God do this? Can this really happen? I bet you Moses thought that. But all of a sudden, he got to the point that Moses said, God caused the need to be met. God caused the need to exist. And the first thing we need to understand, everything that you have learned about the beginning of miracles, and this Sunday that is the beginning of miracle celebration, the need that you have, and the miraculous way that God has been blessing here, I want you to know God caused this need to exist. Can I get an amen on that? You're not really responding to the pastor. You are. You're not really responding to a leadership team. You are. But what we're really doing is responding to God Almighty. It is God that we've got to set before and ask the question that you're going to have to ask in a few minutes, God, what do you want me to do? God, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. You recognize that if every person that's a member of this church would say, God, what do you want me to do? And would do it. I want to tell you the explosion of the ministry will be instantaneous because we're saying we recognize, God, you've caused the need to exist. Now watch. Second principle is this that you'll find in this. The second principle is God never allows a need to exist beyond his ability to supply. Anybody believe that? It's kind of saying God's bigger than any need you can ever have. How many of you believe that's probably true? How many of you believe that's absolutely true? <laughs> Amen. That's, that's absolutely true. Every need I'll ever have, God's bigger than that need. Well, I could go back and tell you so many things that God laid upon my heart and I backed up on them and backed up on them. We built a building in India about seven years ago. And the building was about a, would have been about a $2 million building in America. It cost $92,000. And I'm here saying, can God really provide $92,000? Can God provide? I mean, and then I thought, how foolish is that? God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And not only that, God owns all the grazing land, and I don't think he sold any of it. What do you think? And so we began to think about that a little bit, and God's able to do it. So we serve a God that not only causes the need to exist, but we serve a God, and watch, we serve a God that is always bigger than our need. He never allows a need to exist that's, that he is not able to supply. Now, the third principle is this. I'm moving kind of fast, but I, I want you to track it with me. The third principle is this. God normally meets the need through his people by prior supply. God normally meets the need through his people by prior supply. What does that mean? Well, the nation of Israel was a slave nation. They had nothing, and God blessed them. How many of you remember the story? God blessed them, and when they came out of the land of Egypt, he parted the water, but when they crossed across the water, they were not a slave nation anymore. They may have looked like it in their rags, But I want to tell you, they were a rich nation because God touched the Egyptians and they gave them the gold and the silver and the raiment. And here they walked across the water and they were a rich nation. And then you find them a little bit later on in their travels, come to Mount Sinai, and God said, Moses, take an offering. And I want to tell you, God has blessed us the same way. Out of Egypt or out of the world, God has helped us to be blessed, and God's blessed us in America super abundantly above all that you and I could ever imagine. It's hard for us to imagine how much God's blessed us. 
But the reason, <laughs> I sometimes think about this, the reason that Egypt, when they left Egypt and had all of that wealth and they came from Egypt to Mount Sinai, the reason they still had the money is because when they traveled through the, through the desert, there were no Walmarts. There were no Kmarts. When they got in the tent at night, they couldn't go to a home shopping center on TV. That's what my wife visits once in a while, you know. And, you know, they didn't have any bass boats. Uh-oh. And they didn't have any motorcycles. And they didn't have any et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing wrong with those things. But all of a sudden, what happens in America, we think that God's blessed us just so we can enjoy. Now, wait a minute. I, I believe there's an element of that's absolutely true because we do enjoy the good things God's blessed us with. Amen? But at the other time, don't you think that God blessed the children of Israel so they could meet a need, and that need was God-caused? And so when God says, I want you to give us a small percentage of it back, it always surprised me why we don't give more. <laughs> I mean, why God didn't demand for us to give more. And so the children of Israel came to that. And so that seed formed in the Old Testament. Think of those principles. Number one, the need was God caused. Number two, God never allows a need to, to exist bigger than his ability to supply. And number three, God normally meets a need through his people by prior supply. When we begin to think of those things, I want to tell you, business begins to pick up in the ministry and the things of God. Years ago, there was a preacher down in Dallas, Texas. That preacher came down there and God used him in a tremendous way, and God used his life and multiplied it at First Baptist Church that became a testimony down through the years where a great seminary came out of, then sent him down to Waco, Texas, and he founded Baylor University. And you go down there and go in the entrance to Baylor University, and you'll see it now, a big plaque that's up there with his burst on that plaque, with his quote under it, and you'll have no doubt when you read it that university was started at that time it's drifted since that university was started by somebody who believed the bible's the word of god i mean what a great dynamite force he was for god so the pastor just taken the great first baptist church renowned first baptist church and one of the wealthy men in the church came up to him and said preacher said uh i want you to go have lunch with me he was a cattleman i want you to come to my ranch and have lunch with me and the preacher said well i'll be glad to do that so he goes out there and has lunch with the guy, and the meal was over, and he said, Preach, I want you to come outside. So he came outside, and he stood, and he said, Now I want you to look north. And the preacher began to look north, and he said, What do you see? He said, Well, it's pretty flat. And I see distance rising up. Or I can see a long ways, but I really can't see anything but just the land meeting the sky. He said, I own everything as far as you can see. I own it all. He said, now I want you to turn and look west. So he turned and he began to look west. He said, what do you see? He said, I can see some mountains coming up there. He said, yeah, that's so-and-so range. He said, that's so many miles out. He said, I want you to know I own everything you can see as far as the foothills of those mountains. My fences are out there. I own everything you can see as far as you can see west. Now turn south. He turned south. What do you see? Same story. He said, I can see down this direction so far. He said, I own everything you can see to the north everything you can see to the west, everything as far as you can see to the south. He said, now, preacher, turn and look to the east. And he looked to the east and saw Dallas. And Dallas in that day, 100 years ago, was beginning to rise up above a little bit, and a few buildings were coming up. He said, well, I can faintly see where Dallas is being. He said, now, I want you to know, I do not own Dallas, but if you'll come about 10 miles out from the city limits, I own everything you can see in that direction. He said, preacher, truth is, 
You can look and turn all the way around 360 degrees, and I own everything you can see as far as you can see. He said, what do you think of that? Pastor looked at him and said, sir, I have but one question. What is it? How much do you own in that direction? That's what that chest is all about. We can't take it with us. We can invest it here and lose it. We can invest it here and maybe not lose it. And it doesn't accomplish a whole lot sometimes. But I'll tell you one thing. We can send it before us. Amen. And when we send it before us, we've had teenagers saved. And we've had children saved. And we've had marriages put back together. And we've got drunkards sober. And we've got harlots made clean. And we've got dope addicts that have been helped. And precious young people that have been reached for the glory of God. And we've impacted the world that we're on, which after all is why God has left us here. So the question I want to ask you this morning, because it's a question I ask myself about at least two or three times a week, sometime every day during the week, I look internally and say, how much do I have in that direction? Let's pray. Can we for a minute? Heads about and eyes are closed and God speaking to hearts. Every head is about and every eye is closed and God speaking to our hearts for a moment. And I'm going to ask that one of our pianists play very, very softly. The invitation will be quite different. There will not be any singing at this time. Just the pianist play very, very softly. Heads about and eyes are closed. How many of this morning? I asked a moment ago how many folks were church members. Now I'm going to ask you. How many folks here have been saved? You're part of the family of God. Whether you're a church member or not a church member. I mean, if you die today, you're 100% sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. Would you lift your hand as a church one of that? How many of you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die? You're part of the family of God. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. You can let your hand down. Now listen, we've been talking about how God wants to bless people. We've been talking about how wonderful it is to be part of the family of God. We've been talking about several things that have to do with how God builds us and blesses us. But it all starts at the moment we receive Christ as Savior. Heads about and eyes are closed. How many of you in this building today will say, Preacher, I could not raise my hand a moment ago. If I were to die today, I'm not 100% sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven. I do not know for sure today that when I die, I'm going to heaven. But God has touched my heart. Would you allow me to pray for you? I will not embarrass you, but if you'd let me, I'd surely like to pray for you. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed across the building. How many of you right now would say, Preacher, I could not lift my hand a moment ago, but I'd like to know for sure I'm going to heaven one day before it's too late. Pray for me. Lift your hand, would you? Lift your hand right where you are. If I don't see it, thank you, sir. You can let it down. And thank you way over here. And thank you, and thank you, and thank you, and thank you, and thank you. Anybody else? How about the balcony? And thank you. I see your hand, and I see your hand, and I see your hand. Anybody else? As I wait for just a moment, all over the building, all over the building. If I die today, I'm not 100% sure I'm part of the family of God. Man, I'd like to know for sure I'm going to heaven. I'm not coming where you are. I'm not embarrass you, but lift your hand. Lift your hand, would you? Lift your hand and say, pray for me if you haven't already done so. Lift your hand for a moment. Now listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. There are four things you need to know in order to know for sure you're going to heaven. Number one, you need to be willing to tell God, God, I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. God, I've sinned against you. And God, I'm so sorry. My heart's broken. I've disappointed you. 
I've sinned against you. Number two, we need to recognize that without Jesus Christ, we're going to pay an, an unbelievable penalty for that sin, which is death. That's not only physical death, it's spiritual death, where we drop into hell eternally separated from God. That penalty is awful. But number three, listen very carefully. Every one of you that raised your hand, Jesus Christ came to this earth and paid the penalty for your sin 100% when he died on the cross. He paid the penalty for your sin. Penalty for all of your sin. When he was on the cross, he knew you. You were on his mind. He died and paid the penalty for your sin. Now, number four, you need to believe that and be willing to receive him as Savior. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer aloud. If you're willing to receive Christ as your Savior right now, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In your heart right now where you're seated, all over this building, every one of you that lifted your hand, maybe others that should have that didn't. If you're not 100% sure that right now you're going to heaven and you'd like to know for sure, you'd like to accept Christ as your Savior, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, call him by name, Dear Jesus. Oh, God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive my sin. Come into my life and save me right now. God, please save me right now. God, I want to be part of your family. I'm receiving Jesus Christ as my Savior. And Lord, I want to begin to grow in grace. And I want to serve you with all of my heart. God, right now, I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior and tell him this, I mean it with all of my heart. I mean it with all of my heart. Now our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you prayed that prayer and asked the Lord to save you while heads are bowed, would you lift your hand for just a moment? Every one of you that prayed your prayer, thank you and 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 thank you. Back in the balcony, I'm looking across the balcony. If I don't see your hand, God will. God bless you and God bless you and God bless you. I'm waiting for others wherever you may be wherever you may be. Now listen carefully. Every one of you that raised your hand and accepted Christ while every other head is bowed, would you look at me for a minute? I'm not coming where you are. I'm not embarrassed you. I want you to look at me for just a minute. Welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. Now look very carefully. This church has prepared a wonderful booklet to help you get started right. And right now, a couple of the men and ladies are going to come and stand at the front in the balcony down here. And I'm going to ask you to do this. You're not joining anything. You're not going to be asked to make a speech. You're not becoming part of anything. But I'm going to ask you to do this. If you prayed that prayer and asked the Lord to save you, I'm going to ask you to do this. Somebody be in the balcony on this section. Somebody in this section here. I want you to do this. You that are looking at me, I want you to come and take the hands of one of these people to the front right now. Just get up and come while I'm talking. Just get up and come. If you prayed that prayer and asked the Lord to save you, I want you to get up and come right where you are. Would the whole congregation stand right now? And while they stand, if you prayed that prayer and you're not ashamed of it, leave your seat and come. Leave your seat and come. Leave your seat and come. Thank you. Thank you. Up in the balcony, leave your seat and come to the people down in the front of the balcony here. On the main floor, leave and come and meet people at the front. Don't be embarrassed. You're not joining anything? They're going to put something in your hand that will help you to know how to get started right. Leave your seat and come. Now, while they're coming and God's touching hearts, every head is bowed, every eye is closed across the building. I want to talk to Christians. Now, listen, if you prayed and asked the Lord to save you, while I'm talking right now, 
leave your seat and come. You take the first step and God will bring you the rest of the way. There are people back there that prayed and accepted Christ. I want to tell you now that you've become part of the family of God, you need to get started right. Leave your seat and come while I'm talking. Right now while I'm talking. Now I want to talk to Christians for a moment. How many of you in this building right now would say, Preacher, I'm saved, I'm a Christian. But God's touched my heart this morning. God said, I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can dream of, that you can ask, that you can think. Heads about it, eyes are closed. How many of you in this building would say, I'm saved, I'm a Christian? But God's touched my heart as a Christian today. And I want to leave here. And I want Jesus Christ, I want Jesus Christ to be the focal point in my life. I want Jesus to be the person that's above all in my life. And I mean it with all of my heart. Hold your hand up good and high all over the building. God's touched my heart. I want God to know I'm not ashamed of him. Hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. And lift it up all over the building. Lift it up all over the building. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And God's speaking to hearts this morning. Glory to God. You can let your hand back down. Now, folks, we're going to sing a verse of a song in just a moment. If there's a Christian that needs to come to the altar, slip out and come. If not, settle things there in your seat. But I want you to pray right now. If you've got somebody next to you that's accepted Christ, they may not have come, and you feel comfortable in bringing them, you bring them as they sing right now. You are my strength when I am weak. You're the treasure that I seek, and you are my all in all. I'm seeking you as a precious jewel, and Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. So we sing Jesus, the Lamb of God, and worthy is your name, and Jesus, the Lamb of God, and worthy is your name for taking my sin, my cross, my shame, and rising again. I bless your name, cause you are my all in all. And when I fall down, you pick me up. And when I am dry, you fill my cup. Cause you are my all in all. Sweet sing Jesus, the Lamb of God. And worthy is your name. And Jesus, the Lamb of God. And worthy is your name.
as a close. I have another question. I just feel moved of God to ask this question. How many of you in this building today would say, Preacher, or maybe wherever you may be, I've been praying about my church membership, being part of a church family, being able to have your children, your young people, being able to have your marriage, your family rotating around a dynamic church that preaches the Word of God, how important that is. Heads about and eyes are closed. Could I do this? Heads about. How many of you this morning say, Preacher, I've been praying about my church membership. Would you pray with me about that, that I'll make the right decision? Lift your hand up right where you are. I've been praying about my church membership. Oh, my, I see several hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You can let your hand back down. Now, folks, going to sing one more verse of invitation in a moment. If God's touched your heart to join this church, then you that lifted your hand, if God touches your heart to do it, you need to leave your seat. Come greet one of the people in the balcony or down on the main floor and say, God's touched my heart to join the church, and this church will receive you the way they receive members. You need to come. And Christians, oh, what a day for us to spend a minute and say, God, I want my treasure to be above. That's a simple prayer. I want my treasure to be above, not on the earth. Sing one more chorus of that, would you, brother? For taking my sin, my cross, my shame, and rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. What a great Sunday. Thank you. And when I fall down, you pick me up. And when I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. So we sing, Jesus, the Lamb of God. And worthy is your name. And Jesus, the Lamb of God. And worthy is your name. Now, would you look at me for just a moment, and I'm going to ask you that you be seated for just a moment right where you are. And right now, the usher is going to be coming down the aisles, and they're going to give a beautiful brochure like this to one. You need to lift your hand, one per family. We need one delegate per family, one member per family to lift their hand. And one of these brochures, they need to be given to one. And if you're visiting the church and you'd like to have one, you're welcome to get one too. Listen carefully how I say this. Listen very carefully how I say it. If there's a husband and wife that are both employed or a husband and wife that pray about things together and you want one for the husband and one for the wife, then both of you need to lift your hand and make sure you get one for both people. That will be fine. But lift your hand up good and high. Hold it up a minute. Ushers, make sure everybody gets one. We're talking about everybody that's a member of the church needs this brochure. And if you're visiting and you would like to have one, hold your hand up also. That would be a wonderful thing to do. Just lift your hand up for a moment. All right. Hold it. Waiting on the balcony. Way over here in the balcony, over on this side. I'm looking for hands. Help me out a little bit. If you didn't get one, hold your hand up, would you? This will help the ushers too. There you go up here. What about the platform? You guys all have one of these? Somebody take care of the platform. Amen, preacher. 
Somebody take care of the music department. Amen. All right. Good. Everybody get one. Wait just a second more. Don't open it up, by the way. I should have said that earlier because you've already opened it. I know you have now. Just hold it for a minute, and you're going to be excited about the next oh, few minutes about what God's going to do in the hearts of people. All right. Just hold it up. This is Beginning of Miracle Celebration Sunday. And it's the kind of Sunday you're going to be able to look back on and say, I was there. I was there. I was there when it, when it happened. All right. Anybody else need a brochure? Anybody else at all? Thank you, ushers, so much for your help. All right? All right? Brother Malcolm's going to come back and take a minute and introduce this brochure to you. And so you'll want to hold it. He'll tell you what page to turn to and that kind of thing. Brother Malcolm, thank you once again for the privilege of being here in this place. God bless you, my friend. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Hey, let me hold that. Let me hold that. Okay. Can, can we give all the team, all of the, the, the Beginning of Miracles team, all the ones that had T-shirts on, can you give them a hand real quick? They've been praying. They've been praying and working so hard. I'm telling you, and their prayers have worked. We have, we have seen God do some incredible, incredible things. Now, I want you to do this. I want you to open up your, your brochure till you see the Beginning of Miracles through, and then it, and it'll show... It'll show the picture of the parking lot right here. Open it up. I think it's the third page, second, third page, one, two, second page, I believe. Does everybody see what I'm talking about? Everybody on that same page? If you're there, say amen. Now, here's, here's our vision. Several weeks ago, several weeks ago, we, we had a vision Sunday where we, we really went down a list of what we believe that God was going to do here and God is doing here. And one of the things on that list was our parking lot and getting it finished. We said that we wanted a finished, paid-off, debt-free facility. Uh, finished. And, and you say, what do you mean by that? Uh, every year that we've been here, and since 99, I, I grew up, I grew up, most everybody in here uh, was like me. We grew up in a very small church. I, I did. Most of my life, I grew up in a very small church. And you did what you could. You did what you could. And what by that means, we have been parking on gravel for a long time. You know why? Because that's what we had. And we were willing to do that. We were willing. We're still willing to do that as far as that goes. That, that's, no, that's no issue whatsoever. But I want to be in a place. I just know that God can. Everything he said, I believe with all of my heart. That God can and will give us a completely, fully finished. Say that word with me. Finished. Finished. Say it with me. Finished. Say it again. Finished. 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 Uh, listen. Everything, we pull on the property and go right to church. Listen, I, I, I believe this. You have to do what you have to do till you can do what you want to do. Well, I really want to see it. You, you're sitting in a dream right here in this, this particular building. The last time that brother uh, uh, Dr. David Woods was preaching for us, he was helping us to get here. Now, one day, he's going to pull on the back parking lot and it's going to be paid. Say amen right there. Listen, finish, finish, complete. Look at the next page. Look at the next page. This is really important. I have been, I have been the last few months, uh, I don't remember how many months, two or three months, I have been down with the teens. Uh, and, and every Wednesday night, I've been meeting with the teens. Uh, they are in an older building. It's our original building. Uh, even the, the addition that we added on after I came, it is, it is older, it's outdated, and we have them piling in in there. 
We have a building that would probably comfortably seat about 170, and they're, they're having 180 and even more than that every single Wednesday. You say, preacher, why is that important? Because they're the ones going to be preaching to us when we can't anymore. 77% of all the young people that come up and raise up in church by their first year in college, they're gone. We're losing them. The church is losing our, our next generation. I don't want it to be said about Temple, the same thing that was said in the book of Judges, that after Joshua and all the elders died, there arose another generation who knew not the Lord. So why? What are we doing? We're making it important. It is important. Our teams need this facility. We need to expand it. We need to expand it. We need more room for down there. We need to update it and get it right. Uh, how many of y'all believe our teams, uh, they deserve what we, we can do in that, in that area? Amen? Yes, amen. So I don't, that's because you don't have any. Are y'all with me? I want, you know, if, if I die and my kids still want to go to church, I've succeeded. I don't care what I die with. I don't care what I have in my possession when I die. If I die and my kids still want to go to church after I die, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. And that's what it's about. Say amen right there. The student building. We want to get it finished and get it done. And then, and then listen, last but not least, debt reduction. We want, to, we want to be in a paid-off facility. We want to be in a debt-free facility. Why? Let's go back to them children again. I don't want to leave them something hanging over their necks. I want them to be able to do even more than we can do. We may be the generation to help set the platform. Help get it ready. In other words, help get the rocket on the launching pad. And it may be our children and our grandchildren that blow the rocket to the moon. I want to get this done. I want to see it. I believe God wants it. Listen, God will get glory out of this. And we will see. You say, what's so important about that? It's so much better to be able to put the, 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 the ministry dollars into ministry than mortgage. Are y'all with me? Now, I know, I know what you're thinking. Well, listen, we had to have a building. There's no question about it. We've been meeting for so long and, and having two and three and even four services a Sunday, and it was literally killing most of the volunteers and especially your fat preacher. Say amen. You can't do that forever. So we needed a building. But, listen, God's going to do great things, and he's going to do it through us. Now, I, 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 know, I know I was supposed to say that. I know I was supposed to say that. I know that was the, the vision and the part that I'm supposed to say. But that's not it. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. But this is my vision. This is what I want to keep seeing. From the time I got here, in October of 99, I couldn't wait to get here I couldn't wait to to get to this place and I couldn't wait and it, it was all about getting to the next step in the next building and the next project and the next and you know you go through life and you get to your destination but you've been in such a hurry to get to your destination you forget to enjoy the trip and that's the destination all this in this brochure is a destination but do you know what I'm enjoying you know what I'm really looking at and, 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 and just being thrilled at? People coming up to me and saying, Preacher, let me tell you what God did. 
What that gentleman did for me before church means more to me than the paved parking lot. But it was that that made that available. You see, you can't experience a miracle without a need. And the reason that God produces the need is so you can see the miracle, so you can see who he is. Somebody say amen. That's what I want to see. In these next few years, as we commit and as we, we, we are challenged by what God wants us to do, I can't wait to hear the next one. I can't wait for my phone to beep and me read, Preacher, let me tell you what God just did. I can't wait to open up Facebook and have all them messages saying, Hey, look what God did today. Oh, that's what I'm looking at. Listen, God is creating an opportunity for us all. He's going to feed the 5,000. But he's going to give you a basket to help with. He didn't have to. He could have done it all on his own. But he let his disciples be involved in something miraculous. And today, today, God is going to give you a chance and an opportunity to be involved in something miraculous. So if you are as thrilled as I am and and as expecting as I am for what God's going to do, I want you to give him praise and glory and honor right now in this place. Give him praise. Boy, what a blessing. Amen. Makes me want to join the church. (laughs) Makes me want to be part of what God's doing. Amen. Turn to the next page if you would. If you're looking at the little red stripe on the bottom, that's the page I want you to turn to. At the top, it talks about our responsibility, not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. Do you have that page? Now, I want you to look at that page with me. Now, let me just take a minute to tell you how it works. Before I start reading down through here, which you can do for yourself, let me take a minute and tell you two years ago, this thing got started. This building was not here, and your children's building was not here. And part of your parking lot had not been. And some people stepped up to the plate. And I want to tell you, through the Faith in Action program, it was miracle upon miracle that's been worked. I think we ought to give God a hand for the last two years. Amen. God's been so good. It's been absolutely wonderful, wonderful. Now, what I want you to do is look at the screen, if you can look at it while on your brochure either way. It very simply says, and this is an explanation, The beginning of miracles, that's the celebration Sunday we're having today. It is a two-year program, 104 weeks, and it begins today on Celebration Sunday, here October 11th. Now, during the next few weeks, starting this morning, the next few weeks, every member and friend of the church family will be given the opportunity to promise a specific amount above their regular tithe and offering. This will require sacrifice on the part of each one of us. Now, let me interject right here if I can. Your gift can be a cash gift today. It can be a weekly gift that you will give above your tithe and offering over the next two years, thus 104 weeks. I think you can see how that works. Now, I want to encourage everybody, regardless of even if it's a dollar, to give a cash gift. There may be others that have been praying for four weeks, and if I know much about how God works, there have been people, God's laid some amounts upon your heart that scares you to death. How many know what I'm talking about here? I mean, God begins to talk to your heart. God said, I want you to pray about this amount. You say, I don't even want to pray about it. It scares me to death. And God begins to do that. But I'm going to tell you, that's growth. And once you see God meet that, wonderful things happen. Watch the next paragraph. 
To make a commitment to give over and above a regular gift to the church is a marvelous challenge. It requires a willingness among all the people to sacrifice together. What should you give? There's just one answer to this question, a sacrificial gift. Read on. Our program has giving has one, uh, our program for giving has one fundamental principle, and you'll see it, we've said it so many times, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. Decisions concerning the amount of the gift, watch this, whether it be reason giving or revelation giving or both, will solely rest upon who? The individual or the family. Now, what in the world is reason giving? Reason giving is when God touches my heart and I begin to know I've got a savings account or I've got some investments or I've got so much. And God says, listen, I want you to give a $5,000 check. I mean, you're not trusting God for the future. What you're doing is saying, God, you've already blessed me like the children of Israel came out and they just took some of the gold and some of the silver and some of the raiment and gave it. That's reason giving. If God's given me this amount of money, then God's touched my heart to give him back $5,000 or to give him $10,000 or maybe more, maybe less, or maybe $100, whatever it may be. That's reason giving. That's the lump sum that we give immediately, being this morning, immediately, or next week, if you didn't come prepared to give that amount this morning. Look at the next revelation giving. Now, this is the power of this program. Revelation giving is the amount we commit ourselves to give over the next two years, trusting God for the supply. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. If I made a commitment to give God X amount of money per week, above what I already give in my tithe and offering, it takes a lot of faith. Could I get an amen on that? You got faith, you'll get a job. You got faith that God will supply. You got faith you can keep down. But there are some principles that God's going to work in your life that's going to lead towards wonderful things for debt freedom and these kind of areas. So the revelation giving, what you're going to right now, bow your head in a moment and say, God, what do you want me to do? And God said, I want you to give not only this lump sum amount, a cash gift immediately, but I want you to give this much above your regular tithe and offering. Now look carefully in the next paragraph. While many of our families will be able to give both an immediate gift as well as a weekly gift, the regular weekly giving is extremely important. And you don't need to read. You can look at it on the screen. But it's amazing what that weekly gift is going to total when it all comes together. Let me give you an example of that. The steering committee got together Wednesday night. And they prayed and said, God, what do you want us to give with our revelation giving, our lump sum giving, and, our, and, and, and then the staff got together, I don't know what day, a couple days ago, I believe. And so the steering committee and staff together got together. And how many families that represent, brother? About 20-some families, 22 families, 21 families got together. And they've already committed $144,000 to this program. I think we ought to give God a hand for that. Amen. What that means is you've already got your leadership's not saying we're not going to participate. Leadership's saying we're going to set the benchmark for it. So I'm a stranger. I have prayed this morning. I got up early this morning praying over it, and I asked God to help me a little bit to come with what I felt God wanted me to do. Can I ask you to do this? If you've never participated in a program like this before, you say, wow, this is something. That means God wants my tithe and offering. And then in order to capture this whole area for Christ, to reach our young people and so on, can you dream about this? I asked you to dream a minute ago. Can you dream five years from now? If you'll look at that first amount, $850,000, 
145,000 has already been committed. If that amount is reached, and by the way, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could reach 1.2 million? Got to get an amen on that. You say, what would it take? Everybody doing something. Everybody saying, what does God want me to do? Then if you reach only that bottom amount, 850, you know what that means? Everything that you've got around that you need to pay cash for will be paid cash for. And five years from now, this ministry will be debt free. That's how important your commitment is. So you look at your important, your commitment is not being much. I want to tell you in God's sight, it's great. Everybody needs to participate. So I'm going to ask you to pray about participating at at least $5,000 in the next two years. How many of you think $5,000 is a lot of money? Hold your hand up. I do. I think it's a lot of money. If you don't, come see me after the service, and I'll route you the right direction. Amen. But $5,000 is a lot of money, but it's $2,500 a year. Can God give you $2,500? That's the question. Can God give you that? Now, God may ask you to pray over $10,000 or more. I don't know. And maybe I hope I'm in the will of God to come. That's just what I have prayed about. Brother Malcolm may have prayed about some other people. I've said if, if God will help me because I know this church. Can you imagine what every family in this church would participate at $5,000? You'd be debt free and boom. It'd be amazing what would happen. And the people that could be reached. You say, what would it take? Well, if suppose you gave $1,000 cash. That means you've got to give $4,000. Look at the chart on the bottom of that page. That means if you'll go across and find $4,000, see $4,160, that's $40 a week. So if you give $1,000 cash today or next Sunday or throughout the week, you give $1,000 cash, lump sum giving, and then you gave the other weekly over two years, you'd be giving $40 a week, trusting God. And that's what faith giving is. God, I don't have it, but you're going to give it to me to give. Then you can look at it. If you gave $2,000, then you'd have $3,000. You'd be somewhere around $30 a week that you give above your tithe and offering in order to make that happen. And I hope that's understandable. If you have in between the service any question on this whatsoever, you can come see me. I'm going to hang around out here at the coffee place. Anywhere there's coffee, I hang out. And I'm going to hang around out there, and I'll be glad to answer any question you've got. People ask questions about giving an automobile, giving a land, or different things like that. And none of those questions, they're all great questions. If you don't understand how the program works, that'll be fine. Now, look at the next page. Can I have a copy of this daybreak? I should have asked for a copy. Could I have a copy of that? You've got to see this. I have used this. I've been through it. And when I saw that you guys had planned to give this out, I thought, my goodness, how wonderful that is. Brother Dustin, have I asked for something that I should have asked for before? You, you, can, take, you, can, you can take care of it. You can take care of it. All right. So I'm going to hold this up in a minute. Everybody that makes a commitment, turn back to the page before. Would you look at it? And if you say, well, I'd like to give a, I'd like give $1,000. If you give $10 a week, and you know why the steering committee put that in there? Because you've got teenagers in this church who want to trust God to be part of this. You've got widows in this church that, man, for them to give $10 a week is like somebody giving $100 a week. I mean, you know what I mean by that. It really is. How I many you got dads and moms that you help with this kind of thing? You pray for your dad and mom. They've done well and so on. But, you know, when somebody that's a senior that's already retired or already over, and many of them have to work to supplement what they've done and so on like that. And for somebody like that, like my mother did for us and gave, I'll give $10 a week. That's a big gift. And so if you participate at $1,000 in this program, you're going to be given an unbelievable, wonderful gift, and you'll see that daybreak on the next page.
This is absolutely beautiful. Thank you, my brother. I wish you could hold it. It's leather. It's nice to hold. But more than that, Adrian Rogers. How many of you are familiar with the preaching of Adrian Rogers? My goodness. He was a personal friend. One of the highlights of my life was to hold a crusade in that church. It really was. What a great preacher. I'm going to tell you, the wisdom in here is worth several thousand dollars. You will enjoy this. That's going to be given. Now, how do you do this? Look at the little slip down on the very bottom. See that little slip folded out? And it looks down at the bottom, a time to every purpose and a time to build. Now, look down at the very bottom, this beginning of miracles. You'll see that little slip is so you can tear it off in a moment. Now, it says this, attached is a check for our one-time gift. You say, well, God's laid upon our heart. In a moment, I'm going to put the gift in this treasure chest. Or I didn't come prepared, I'm going to bring it throughout the week. Or next Sunday, I'm going to put that in there. Then you say, let's use our example. I'm going to give $1,000. Then you'd put $1,000 on it. Our one-time gift will be given by. That means you didn't bring it with you, but you're going to give it and write the date down next Sunday or in 30 days, just whatever you write on it. So I'll give my one-time gift. This is when I'll be able to give it. And or, and this is the point I want you to really pray over. As the Lord provides, we're going to give blank per week. You're going to have to look back at that chart on the page before to find the blank. If you wanted to give $5,200 over the next two years, and you want to do it weekly, that's a gift of $50 per week. And so you're going to put that on the weekly. Then as God provides, we'll give this. And then on the right hand of that middle column, you're going to write down how much that would be total. Then down on the bottom, you're going to add it up and put total gift. Now you're going to sign it, and then you can have it. If you want to sign it, sign it. If you say, well, I don't want to, just whatever. It would be better if you did. And on the back is a place for your name and address. This helps the church to know what's coming in. They can plan their budget accordingly and be financially and stewardship responsible to God. Look on the right hand on the bottom. You can give that gift in loving memory. You'll get a certificate, or you can give it in honor of somebody. Please write legibly. Amen. <laughs> that is an important thing to do. Now, I wish I had time in a great crowd. I can't do this to ask for questions, but I'll be glad to answer those questions. Any of you might have out back. But for just a minute, Brother Malcolm's coming a moment and leads in a prayer of dedication. Then a song will be sung. Anybody need a pencil? Anybody at all need a pencil? All right, back over here, we need a pencil. Somebody that's a good neighbor help over here. Pencil over here, pen, pencil. Up in the balcony. Anybody need a pencil? There'll be people to help. All right, thank you. Anybody else need a pencil? Hold your hand up if you need a pencil. Anybody else over here? Thank you. Wave at me so I can see it. All right, good. I think that's taken care of. Now, well, Malcolm will come and have prayer. Then you're going to have time to fill this out, and he'll give you directions as soon as you fill it out. And there are treasure chests in the balcony, a treasure chest down here, while a song is being sung. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what's going to happen in the next few minutes here? It's, it's hard to talk about how important it is because the tone of this ministry is going to be set in this service and the next service by what happens in the next five minutes. So I'm going to ask you to pray a simple prayer aloud when you bow your head in a minute. And that is very simply, God, if you, it takes a lot of faith to pray this. God, if you'll touch my heart and tell me what to do, I'll do it. What a prayer. And you've got to trust God. If this God touches your heart, God will do exceedingly. Can you say those words aloud without looking at them? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Let's bow our heads. And now think about this and say, God, what do you want me to do? Ask the first question, God, what do you want me to do? Now, if you want to pray the prayer, 
Please don't pray unless God touches your heart. Do it. If you want to pray, say, God, if you will touch my heart and tell me what to do, I will do it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings today. Lord, we want to practice what we preach. We want to practice what we learn. Father, we have treasure chests up here and in the balcony that where we are going to worship you. And this is where we're coming and we're committing to you. We're, we're, we're obe- obeying the challenge that you've given to us. Lord, all of our staff has already done this. We've already made our commitments. And Lord, all of the, all of the, the committee, the steering committee, the team has, has ri- risen to the challenge in an incredible way. In an incredible way. And Father, I pray right now as you speak to us as your church, I pray that the number one thing is we'll be obedient to whatever you say. If we're all obedient, Lord, we will experience miracles beyond our belief. And Lord, as we fill this card out, as we sing this song, as we begin to come and place our commitments in this treasure chest, I pray that you'll receive it as our worship. I pray that you will receive it as our, our committing to you, our thanksgiving for what you've already done for us. I pray right now as we're writing in these, these numbers, as we're writing in this information, I pray, Lord, that you will be glorified and magnified and your perfect will be done today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Stand to your feet. We're going to sing a verse. And as we sing this verse, as we sing as a, a song of worship, if you will, just take your commitments and place them in the boxes up in the, up in the top and, and, then, and then go back to your seat and we'll have a short, a short uh, announcement before we dismiss as we sing. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. And you are my all in all. I'm seeking you as a precious jewel. And Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. Because you are my all in all. So we sing Jesus. You're the Lamb of God, and worthy is your name, oh Jesus, the Lamb of God, and worthy the Lamb of God and worthy is your name
my Jesus, the Lamb of God, and worthy is your name for taking my sin, my cross, my shame, and rising again. I bless your name, because you are my all in all. And when I fall down, you pick me up. And when I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Oh, Jesus, the Lamb of God, and worthy is your name. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, and worthy is your name. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, and worthy is your name. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, and worthy is your name. And Jesus, sing with him. the Lamb of God, and worthy is your name, and Jesus, the Lamb of God, and worthy is your He's worthy. He's worthy. <laughs> y'all know the devil's mad. You know he is. Amen. How many of y'all are glad Bubba and Shanda Harbison has come this morning and joined up with Temple Baptist Church? Give God praise right there. And then we have Nadine Jenkins and Lakeland have come this morning and joined up with Temple. Let's give God praise right there. 